It's good for you overall. Yeah, this is great. This is it's a dream, man. The headline is risking it all. Yeah, I think that's where we're going with this. With Dan Riskin. And we are joined now by Dan Riskin, CTV Science and Technology Specialist. Hi, Dan. How are you? I am great. How are you doing? I'm good. Now, this uh, we're going to talk about sperm. We uh, are. Yeah. And, you know, I know this because I saw the cartoons where the sperm go after the egg. So, therefore, right. you're, you're, you're going to challenge that cartoonish notion in my, in my mind about how babies are created. Yeah, well, I'm not going to shake it up too much. It still takes <laughs> a sperm and an egg that come together and make a baby. That well, part hasn't good. changed. That's good. But yeah. the way we tell the story about the, the race for the egg and the sperm competing with each other, that is a story that gets a lot of attention uh, from people who study the way we think. Because there are a lot of ways that we sort of tell that story that aren't really about the sperm and the egg. They're much more about how we perceive men and women and attributes that we ascribe to those unicellular organisms um, that fit our our thoughts of gender. And so, you know, back in about the 90s, there was this sort of realization that we'd been maybe telling the story in in a sexist way, right? I mean, yes, the sperm swim. And yes, the egg doesn't swim. So we sort of, it was a convenient story to say, well, you've got these strong sperm, they're fighting, they're duking it out, and the, whoever's strongest gets to the egg, and the egg is just this fat thing that sits there and, and basically gets jumped on and Passively. takes whoever wins the race. Passively. And in the 90s, people said, can we tell the story in another way that's still biologically accurate, but maybe doesn't have all that gendered nonsense in it? And so they talk, it's called the aggressive egg hypothesis, and it talked about how the, the female body is basically built to move the sperm into the right region and how the egg is basically setting all that up to select for the best possible sperm. And so the egg is really jumping on the prize and taking the prize uh, that it has selected with, you know, the whole female body working in concert to select for the best one. And so this is a different way of telling that story. But there's a new study that's just come out that that actually adds another twist to this. And that is the idea that all the sperm are are independently competing against one another the way we all compete in the workforce. And maybe we have a bias that we've introduced the story that way. And so this latest study shows that actually sometimes sperm cooperate. Sometimes a bunch of sperm will clump up and form like a big, massive tangle of sperm. And as a group, they will tend to swim in a more straight line towards where they're trying to go than individual sperm, which tend to take more of a zigzaggy route. Well, and so clearly this was a study that, that was done. That that group of sperm are a bunch of socialists, clearly. Right, exactly. They're communists. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Well, I mean, they're all related to each other, right? And so yes. this is an interesting thing, especially if you have a situation where, and you get this in a lot of animals, um, where basically a female might mate with multiple males. Mm-hmm. Um, how who gets to the egg first is is it's called sperm competition. And so if you have a situation like that, you know, you may not be the sperm that gets there, but it's sure better for one of your siblings to get there than to have you know, that other guy's sperm make it. And so for sperm to work together makes evolutionary sense. And so this latest study shows with some really compelling video uh, and measurements that they made of the travel speeds and times of these sperm, that if sperm are working together, they actually get a group benefit. And it's not always the lone individual that beat the odds and got there, but it's the one that worked as part of a team. So the second part of this discussion that you just described is 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 an actual change in understanding of how things happen the previous narrative uh, is where uh, we, we need to change how we describe this story because it's got built-in biases. 
Right. So if we tell the story in a way that reinforces gender stereotypes, then we are not necessarily on purpose. But what we're doing is we're 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 not necessarily helping to people to come to that uh, to that to that information in a way that keeps them open to all the possibilities. And so if we sort of if we're telling the story as a way that we can imagine the little soldiers, I mean, there's a Woody Allen film. Uh, everything you want to know about sex, but we're afraid to ask. And I know Woody Allen's been canceled and all that stuff, but it's it's a funny scene where all the sperm are lining up and he's having an existential crisis about where he's going to go and if this is the real thing or just a rehearsal. And uh, and you know the way we tell that story, it's fun, but it doesn't necessarily keep it biologically accurate. And so it's important to remember that uh, you know the the caricatures that we tell in our heads aren't necessarily biologically the way things happen. Fair enough. I am a huge fan of e-bikes because uh, they are getting people on two wheels and moving again in a very, very big way. Yeah. People who would normally uh, shy away from the big hills and not get any uh, time on the bike at all. Lots of people out there, I think they're fantastic. And there's yes. there's a new development here about, about another way uh, a battery-operated device can help keep people moving. Yes, this is exciting. And I totally agree with you on the e-bike thing. On the one hand, when you're riding your bike and you get passed by one of those e-bikes, yes. it's easy to get grumpy and say, <laughs> well, that's not fair. They've got a battery. But that's not the point. People that ride e-bikes are out 50% more than they would be if they didn't have e-bikes. And so way more people are getting out there. And the, you might get less exercise from an e-bike, but you're getting more exercise than you do from sitting at home. So uh, e-bikes are great. And this is a boot that does the same thing for walking. Um, when I was studying biomechanics at Cornell University uh, for my PhD, I had a guy on my committee who was obsessed with the energy of walking and how you could make that more efficient. And he was obsessed with the idea that if it's basically all comes down to how much energy you lose when your heel hits the ground and how much of that energy can be recuperated by uh, springs that load in the Achilles tendon. And so he was building these robots that you could, they looked like bipedal robots from star wars and you put them at the top of a ramp and they would walk down the ramp swinging their arms totally driven by gravity and he was doing it all to try to figure out where the energy losses were so that someday they could build a boot that would give that energy back and that boot has now been invented and so this uh paper has just come out in nature it's a student of the guy who was on my committee who is now a professor at stanford wow um and this this guy at stanford has built a boot and basically the way it works is you wear these boots they weigh about a pound and a half each uh, and there's a battery pack around your waist and some wires. And while you're walking, every time you get to the part of the step cycle where you push off the ground, where your Achilles tendon would be used, um, it, the, a motor gives a little boost and gives you a little bit of a kick to help you. And it ends up reducing how much energy it is. So people who wear these boots, just like an e-bike, it's easier. They end up going faster, about 10% faster is their their walking speed. And they use about 17% less energy to walk a given distance than they do if they're not wearing the boots. So it's a pair of boots that make walking easier. And uh, it's so, it, the fact that it's all self-contained and that it works in the real world um, is a very exciting, pardon the pun, step forward in this yeah. technology. And we may soon be seeing this for soldiers who have to walk long distances or for, for letter carriers or for all kinds of different uh, people that are out walking great distances. This might be a huge, uh, huge help. And also, I would assume someone who maybe struggles with mobility or is on the verge of becoming less mobile, this could give them, this technology could give them the nudge to keep them moving. Absolutely. I mean, the danger with exoskeletons, and that's what they call it, is an exoskeleton, because you're basically wearing a frame on the outside of your foot and it's giving energy to you. 
the danger with these things is always this idea that it's all of a sudden going to rip your arm out or you know rip your legs out because it's going to give too much force at the wrong moment. And so a huge part of the design is how to make that safe and how to make sure it's not giving too much of a kick at the wrong time and how you can avoid injury that way. Um, but really, I mean, if you're a fan of the Alien franchise in, in the movies, when Ripley is wearing that big, huge yeah. exoskeleton suit, it's basically a step in that direction. And it's it's very exciting that they figured out how to do it and that it it's a, it's a huge accomplishment to make it feel better than normal walking. It's just like the e-bike, but for walking. Dan Riskin, always great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I always love talking to you. All right, we'll talk soon. That's Dan Riskin.